Welcome to the Mosh Zone, episode 133, week 133, volume 133, number fucking 133. How you going guys? How's your week been? Thank you for tuning in. This week's guest is Jake of Inhearts Wake, and that will be coming up later in the show. Let's kick things off with a bit of feedback, a bit of questions, a bit of what's been going on. I have to mention two sexy five-star rating and reviews that we received on iTunes over the past week. They came courtesy of Lord Pencil from the US of A and SJ from England. Thank you so much, guys, for taking time out to give me a rating and review. Thank you for the kind words. Thank you for sticking with the Mosh Zone. For everyone else listening, help us out this week if you've got some spare time with a rating and review on iTunes or Facebook. Give us a five star, four star, one star, whatever you feel is relevant to how the show is. All of that feedback, all of those ratings helps the show get out to more listeners and most importantly, helps this show grow and get bigger and better content. Enough of the ramblings, enough of the jibber-jabber. Let's kick into the main part of the show. This week, I got to sit down and chat with Jake of Inhearts Wake. First thing I got to say, thank you so very, very, very much, dude, for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. So for the unaware and the uneducated, Inhearts Wake formed in 2006. They've got five albums and three EPs to their name. Stylistically, they are a band that play metalcore as you know it. They're a band that are a stable headliner and a champion of the Australian heavy scene. They're also a band that has broken through into the US and EU market. They're a band that has, by this stage of their career, become a household name. I was chatting to Jake at the start of our conversation and I was thinking back and I've seen in Hearts Wake, in small halls and tiny club venues, probably around 15-odd times now. I've seen them and followed them since the early days. So this was a great moment for me and for the show. This was easy-flowing, relaxed and insightful, touched on a lot of great topics. I hope you enjoy this chat. That chat with Jake is coming up now. So, you know, everyone gets the same starting question and it's usually, do you remember an artist, not necessarily heavy, but an artist that opened music into an existence as a young kid? Like, I was obsessed with Aerosmith at the age of five, I don't know why, but that was my band that started music being something for me. Was there a band like that for you growing up? Um, I was I was heavily into soccer as a kid and I used to listen to a lot of the... Uh like FIFA World Cup soccer soundtracks. And it was very like, they'd have a song from every country that was as participating in the World Cup. And so you'd have these worldly uh, compilations. I remember that. And just being like, wow, like there's such a diversity of, of uh, worldly voices coming into this compilation that I had as, as a young child. That mixed with Limp Bizkit's uh, significant other cassette was one of my first. Mixed with like, I mean, my parents are always playing Chris Isaac, the Beatles. So music was around me. I feel like heavy music, my first real, yeah, getting to know it though. 
you could say it was, yeah, through this limp is get attitude. Uh, yeah, something that felt a bit different, a bit fresh. But it wasn't until I was, I think I was 11, that uh, I got to see my stepdad playing his band on stage. And he was very, very calm and collected. Amazing guy, very patient. And uh, seeing him on stage, he played in a hardcore band that, that were in their prime in the late 80s, early 90s. So when I got to see him in 2001, you know, they're all older guys coming back for a reunion show. They'd been asked by Henry Rollins uh, with Black Flag. It was like part of their uh, West Memphis Three fundraiser tour they did in Australia. And they asked Mass Appeal, my stepdad's band, to, uh, you know, jump on that run. And so there I am, side stage at 11, watching like my stepdad walk out of this stage, just super chill, and then just go nuts. And watching, you know, a sold out Metro in Sydney, watching all of the, that crowd, long hair, different, you know, pink hair, mohawks, metal heads, skinheads, everyone, every all of all of the uh, those demographics of punk and hardcore and kind of metal, like fusing together and just going like, it's just, I remember seeing uh, organized chaos and thinking, I want to be a part of this. <laughs> yeah, it's quite a, quite a thing that first moment you see a live show like that, it, it can become quite an obsession. So at that stage, you obviously haven't really overly discovered heavy music. So how does your discovery develop? Do you hunt things yourself or is it your stepdad that is saying, okay, try this band, try this band? Like where's your development in taste go from this point? I was super into hip hop. Uh, like all of the, uh, it's called like spirit of, spirit of hip hop compilation, of, but it was all throwbacks to like uh, Grandmaster Flash, um, super, super early, uh, like Dre's first, one of his first tracks. Through through listening to the, the intensity, having a message in the music and that underground feel, making a transition into hardcore in some way, some respects, it felt like a smooth transition. My stepdad, was very influential in showing me the hip hop artists. But when it came to the hardcore and punk, I didn't quite get it as much. The bands that he was playing for me, they were a little bit more old school and more punky. And it was the bands like, uh, I guess, Terror and um, those sorts of ins, because they were happened to be playing at my local youth center here in Byron Bay when I was like 13 years old. You know, Terror was playing and it was like 10 bucks. And, it, you know, so that, that I probably had more of a, a throw into heavy music, seeing things in person than I did actually discovering on the internet because I didn't really ha didn't have a computer. Uh, there was no Spotify. No one was giving me CDs at school. So yeah, discovering music and it wasn't on video hits or rage at that point. Um, it was, you know, I mean, you'd be lucky to get a Lincoln park or a, a limp biscuit, but it was the heavier stuff that I got to see with my own eyes and listen to in person like terror that really whoa, this is this is again something i really want to be a part of so i mean so music's obviously in the house and you're seeing you know all ages shows and shows with your your stepdad and stuff so when do you decide that this is your focus of music as a passion that you want to follow because a lot of kids at that age it might be a passion but they don't really want to follow it they are focused on their you know, career being an accountant or, you know, something like that? Well, I was, so I was 14 years old and watching, watching some young kids get up on stage and give it a go opening for big bands. 
was was like, oh, this can you know this can be done. Not that it looks hard or it looks easy, but it's 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 achievable. I can relate to these guys on stage. It just so happens that those guys opening for Terra with like were the same age as me, and those are the guys, or two of them ended up being in Hearts Wake, and so I literally approached them after the show, uh, like. I think there was a couple of pinball machines in the, in the uh, youth center venue. I remember like, like they were like sitting on them or something. And I walked up to Evan and Caleb, who, you know, Evan plays guitar in the band now. And I was like, you guys want to like get together and jam sometime. And they were kind of like, they're really shy, but I thought that was super cool <laughs> because, you know, they're in a band and they had like fringes and black nails and stuff. They look like you didn't want to mess with them, but they realized they were just, I had the confidence to go up to them, talk to them, but I realized they were shy than I was. So I was like, okay, you know, and they're like, yeah, like, all right. Kind of like, yeah, like whatever, like what's this. And then my two neighbors who live just around the corner was Jack and Ben. Jack played bass in the band for the first six, seven years. And Ben is the other guitarist who still mm-hmm. plays guitar in Hearts Wake. Now Ben happens to be on Evan's cricket team at that age of 13. So we started to say like, oh, I can do this. You know, I, like those guys can play drums and guitar i can play guitar says ben you know jack's like i'll pick up the bass because i already play like you know muck around the acoustic guitar and i was like well my dad screams so uh, i'll ask him to give me some hot tips and uh (laughs) we just just how not to hurt your voice kind of a thing and it kind of gave me a bit of a yeah it was it was that it's possible and it's doable and we just literally like i didn't know if it was going to happen but ben calls me up he's like yo like evan's gonna come over uh before cricket training next week and uh like we're gonna have a jam like it's on and i was like all right so my my little chat at the youth center planted a seed and before you know it we were making music together at 14. yeah it's quite crazy that you guys started at such a young age and when you're starting out um you know everyone has lofty expectations um but i'm guessing at that young age you probably wouldn't have expected that you'd be what five albums deep into your career at this stage that you've toured America, you've toured Europe, you're a name on the industry scene. So what were your realistic, looking back, expectations of the band in the early stages? We just wanted to play a show at the Youth Centre, dead set. Like, that was the goal for me. Um, yeah, that that was the goal, to be on that stage, to be a part of our local community, uh, not just watching it as a spectator, but be able to offer music to it as well. The next goal from there was to, you know, go on a, an Australian tour of some sort. And then beyond that, it was to get overseas somehow and just do a tour. We didn't really have a vision of how to do an album or we must record an album. It was always like song by song, EP by EP. It was never really just just kind of a, a snowball and rolling thing. Um, so, yeah, I had I had no expectations it would get to this. And it's it's been one of those things that's kind of, it hasn't been like uh, the crowd's championing, championing it. Like we need more, we need more. Okay, we'll give them more. Let's let's keep at it. It's been more like a in hot sweats become like a a best friend or a family member or you know a, a fellowship, a brother in a way. In that we always step up and and honor like us getting together and making music. And there's a commitment and a responsibility in that that we enjoy getting together. I think. And sometimes you do put it just, you know, to the side and then we do our little things and we come back and like it's time to spend some family time. And it's just resulted in, yeah, five albums and 
uh, yeah, years on, here we are. Well, I think it's also organic. It doesn't feel, you know, forced in a way. And part of what I feel is also organic without jumping too far forward is the message within the band. You know, when you guys started to really make an impact on the scene, um, the style of music was around. Like, that's without a doubt. A lot of bands were doing the music, but no one was doing the message that you were doing. Um, there were bands with important messages within it, but a lot of them were hardcore bands or, you know, these punk bands. But you were bringing a message in that I think for a lot of people, you know, were tagging like you're the eco-warriors of metalcore kind of thing. Um, did you always from the onset want to have a message within your music or is it something that just naturally found its way in and then, of course, has stayed in? Um. Well, when being being the main lyricist, I I and, and just in life, like if I'm going to do anything, I really dive into 110 percent, and I often over over promise, and I always try and over deliver. And going into the message and writing a song, like there's an opportunity here to to write lyrics for a piece of music that these guys have also put everything into. So when it comes to that message or what it has to be able to write itself, it's got to come from a real place and not feel forced. Like I'm trying to manufacture something like we need a message. Can we put it in there? So it's been the things that the things that move me, the things that get me out of bed at 3am when perhaps I'd rather sleep in um, to get on a plane or to, you know, whatever to, to, to start the drive to that next show when you're super tired and uh, you're exhausted after 20, day, 20 shows in a row and you got to do that 21st show. You know, these are the things that are, I guess they feel bigger than us, bigger than me. And those messages and those things, they're a part of us, but they come from a real place. So when I'm writing the lyrics, the stories really, they write themselves, I feel. Um, and in doing all of this, I guess you start to realize you can't just be writing lyrics you have to be able to walk the walk, walk the talk as well. Like, um, and that's been really important, not just, not to prove to our fan base, to prove to ourselves, but again, like this whole idea of regeneration, sustainability coming through in business, these are buzzwords now, but you know, if, yeah, if you want to have something be sustainable and continue to give back in terms of like just planting the garden out the back, um, you're going to need to water it and really have healthy soil or you're only going to get a couple of couple of yields from from those fruit and vegetables. So it's really making sure that, yeah, you're, you're paying it forward and you're enjoying it at the same time. And that's that's really important here. And that bleeds into the message. It bleeds into to what we do, how we approach a physical product to uh, planting trees. Mm. And it's it, it it's got a it brings an energy to it being in a group of not only five guys but the fan base too. We all feel like we're 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 a, we're a part of something that I can't really put into words other than it feels really awesome and great in this human existence to do that. Well, I think that you know a couple of things you said there are vital to understanding that you guys do back back up what you say and also you do pay it forward and not just the tree thing that was done. Um, on the first single, Worldwide Suicide. But you also look at, you did the Sky Dancer initiative and then looking at my notes, what was the other one? You had the Waterbone initiative as well. It's, you know, you're a band that don't just lyrically talk about 
making a difference and looking after the planet. You actually back it up and say, look, we, we need to and we're going to take the first step and we want you to come with us and help us. And then also, hopefully, that sparks your fan base to do it on their own accord and run with the ball, as the phrase may be. Um, I think you need a pat on your back because some bands wouldn't do that. They'd just speak the lyrics and then that would be it. It thanks, man. Um, yeah, it can be a little, little bit, bit of. I'm trying to think of. Well, yeah, there can be complacency or laziness that that feels like oh, it's a lot of effort to organise. Who will care? A lot of people will roll their eyes. But at the end of the day, it's really not that difficult to organise these things, as we've discovered, because people want to support this stuff because it's a part of their future too. Uh, like, so, yeah, I, I mean what we do as musicians is already an offering. It's a wonderful thing of entertainment connection and, and space and community, but uh, it's really, yeah, it's, it's the next, the next step in the evolution of, of artists of any kind, actors, uh, leaders, athletes. It's really is, is taking that a little, a little bit beyond to think of where are my strengths or where does my heart speak to in the many, many, many things that can be done. And where can I be most effective with what I have to offer? And uh, in doing that, I, it gives not only the artist, the athlete, and the actor purpose, but it really does help connect and bring people together. People meet at our shows. People meet at a, at these waterborne, uh, you know, marine debris cleanups, dredging plastic out. We had a couple like who met, you know, on that at that experience, connecting over something that was quite positive for them. So it's got an, an amazing ways of um, regenerating and, and paying it forward that I just I just love really do and I almost enjoy that just as much as I enjoy playing a show well I think you mentioned community as well I think it's important because you know I'm a bit of an older head I'm in my late 30s and I remember when you guys were starting to really come onto the scene I think one thing we had in Australia was there there was a community but it wasn't a massive sense of community and one thing with In Hearts Wake is you've kind of done a two thing you feel like you give to the community with the way you play shows and you're willing to play all ages and play remote places, but also you've created a inner community in your fan base. Is that something that's been important for you guys to focus on or is it just naturally come about? I feel like it's naturally come about that, that inner core, inner circle terminology is, uh, I often see people, they, they've become like a support network. They'll even defend us when there's that, that uh, curveball comment that comes, I won't, I don't want to name political parties or get get to two down that route, but things that get said in uh, the the objectors, let's just say, and the support network, it sparks something within them to say like, oh, that's not on, like, and they, we don't have to defend it in a way or speak, and seeing that kind of support shows me the passion and uh, just that, yeah that willingness to like step up with, with whether they feel and what, uh, what is right within them. So it's been, yeah, I think that, that it's happened quite organically. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's an interesting journey. I mean, the regional stuff, again, that's, we've followed the joys of that rather than it be a decision, you know, to how we want to be perceived. That was like a, we love swimming in, you know, in a river after we play a show, we like playing cricket or frisbee around the show. You know, we, we enjoy those sorts of experiences more than we, cause we can't do those in a city, you know, cities in and out, in and out, in and out. So we enjoy the regionals much more and that's led to why we've done them more. And uh, that, that appreciation 
from the support network and the new fans we've gained has just been a, a bonus to all of this. Well, I think uh, an important thing going back to like the early years of the band is um, you were one of the bands at the time that really benefited, I believe, from all ages show shows, which is kind of unfortunately, I think, for the overarching metal scene in Australia is kind of unfortunately died off. But you were a band that really benefited from it, you know, doing it a lot, doing your own tours with a lot of shows of that ilk in there. Do you feel like it really was an important way for you to find your feet, not only in the Australian scene, but as a band with your performances? It was important. Also, at the time we were doing those all-ages shows, we were in that all-ages crowd mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Like we were, we were, some of us were still 17 at that point. Uh, so we were playing to our, our age group, you know, in a way, I mean, it was falling to the 15 to 20, you know, that was, there was around, there wasn't too many like little kids other than the parents who would bring along, which wasn't, you know, it would make up 1% if that. So that's been great in terms of they, those, that 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 fan base has grown up with us and now you know we're still going to shows together now and experiencing it together at the 18 plus ones uh it's sad it's it's sad now looking at i guess if if a band a young band wanted to start playing shows they can't really because there's not all ages shows for them to even open so we're seeing that most of the bands now are all in their 20s that are starting up because they're the ones going to the shows being inspired starting a band um yeah you know i think the all ages thing the reason why it isn't happening so much is got to do with insurances it's got to do with venue policies you know rent rates going up so that most places are more likely to turn it into a bar where they can get you know liquor license and make more money per head therefore it has to be 18 plus it's got like this snowball effect but at the end of the day like anything that any art that wants to find a way if there is a a true need and a yearning for it in that younger generation it will find a way through the pavement like it it will it Mm. will find a way um i don't know if hardcore metal is really resonating with the young audience so much like it used to Mm. perhaps it's more in the i don't even know what the genre is these days but like more into probably what would you call like auto-tune like rap trap kind of stuff yeah yeah it's pop but there's a lot of these like i i I don't want to call it mumble rap because it sounds like a judgment. Hmm. Um, but just, uh, yeah, that's huge at the youth at the moment. It's massive. Um, well, I think so it's, it's, it'll change. I think it is a good point. I do think the younger generation now has probably switched things. But one thing within Hearts Wake, which I think um, outsider listeners, which I have a lot of on this show, maybe don't understand, is that for an Australian band, um, sometimes making it, and breaking it in the overseas market is really a tough thing. And one thing that I think has benefited you guys is you haven't just made the 4A overseas once or twice. You've done it multiple times now in your career. But was that something that you were always worried about? Because it is financially struggling. It is emotionally and physically a struggle to get overseas. But um it is an important step for a band if you really want to reach a whole nother level because you can be big in Australia, but if you're big worldwide, it's a whole nother game. Yeah, it's natural progression for a lot of bands to go and learn about themselves, extend, see what happens. I wouldn't, and I wouldn't go as far to say as we've 
we've broken it or, we, or we've made it or whatever that means. Uh, we'll be lucky enough to go overseas and, and break even because we want to put on a good show too. We're not just going over there trying to make money. We're again paying it forward to put on a, a great show, trying to have crew that there to help us put on the best show. It all comes at quite a cost. It's not really going over there for business, mm. to be fair with you. It's just, it helps the band grow by, you know, more listeners. Uh, we learn like, oh, this song does really well in America. Like when we play it live, like that's inspiring. Maybe we should try writing more like this. You know, the crowds do differ in their reactions across and it makes you a better band, makes you a stronger band. Being, at, being you know, the growing pains of what it is to, to go overseas and to, to try and experience what that feels like and then realize, oh, we had it so good in Australia. Uh, we're taking this for granted. It's plenty of learning curves that, yeah, you can't learn just by touring Australia over and over again. Plus, I think Australians, there's something to be said. It shows a band's commitment when they go overseas and return. You know, mm -hmm. they're really, really there to do this. And it is a difficult journey. I would tell all bands to pick the right time because you can only make that jump once. You're going to make it countless if it was your last so that you have enough resources. You've got a solid foundation to take to the rest of the world. And you just never know if you'll be able to come back. Like it, it's kind of like that because it's such an expensive uh, endeavor and that can really show true colors of band members and bring things out. So you want to be a, a strong unit. That is for sure. Yeah. Um, an interesting thing I wanted to touch on was how, you know, you guys had two EPs under your belt before you linked up with UNFD and at the time, you know, how did that come about? Because it's been quite a relationship, you know, you're going as stronger than ever. Um, I've in many ways, um, in a, it's not blowing smoke, but it's the, the label has really benefited, um, with you guys. You both have had such a unity because it kind of started really blossoming when you started blossoming. So how did the label initially come about? And was there any pressure and expectation and nerves about linking up with a label as such young guys? The label came about because we re we redid Divination 100% on our, on our own. We funded it by working all of our day jobs at cinemas, bottle shops, bartenders. We did whatever we could to, to raise that, that money and just know that we're going to record this in America. There's no producers here that will give us the, the, the polished sound that we want to, we want to obtain. It was right in the frontier of records sounding good all of a sudden. I noticed that Parkway's like, uh, killing with a smile, like, you know, a few couple of years prior, like we're just starting to like break into this new produced, wow, like bands are sounding good. There's a new bar has been set. So America was the, uh, the obvious choice. I, f I found Josh Schroeder through a couple of records that he'd done uh, that I really liked. And we just hit it off on email. He was answering all the questions uh, with the right answers. We took the punt. It's a huge punt to take on someone you've never actually met in person. So we went over there, recorded the album, felt really, really good about it. I remember sitting in the basement of where we were sleeping in America. We have got this record that had just been mixed and I, we were preparing three of us to buy a van and drive all across America, not for band, just for complete, let's do it while we're here. So I thought, okay, who can I send this to? Josh had a contact at Rise Records. Uh, Luke, I'd never met before, but I had seen him at a couple of shows when uh, Northland and us were playing together. Luke was like popping in at UNFD. So I knew that there was, you know, let's see what, see what happens. Uh, also Dream on Dreamer were huge um, supporters of 
of In Hearts Wake. We'd been on one of their tours and they really liked what where we were going. So Marcel put in a kind of, a, not a good word, but it's like, I'll give this to Luke. And same with Josh from North Lane. I got Luke's contact and I just sent it to him and I sent it to Rise. Rise actually got back to me saying like, we're in, let's sign a deal. Like it was like really kind of, whoa. And uh, Luke as well was like, it sounds really good, but Luke's much more, he's not like a rushing into anything, which is fantastic. He wanted to see what kind of people we were. Was I committed? Investing in relationships is really like you do with band members as you realize it's not overnight things. And Luke just asked the right questions, I guess. And I realized that because it was from Australia and we were from Australia, there's a lot more, you know, support that we had rather than an overseas label. And they loved the record and we ended up doing a deal over the, you know, the coming few months and divination came out and they were just, yeah, fantastic with, with rolling out that one. And so we went on to do more records with them. And there's a good thing about loyalty as well. You know, it's, it's better i don't they're not the devils at all they're fantastic people but there's that saying the better the devil you know than the devil you don't Mm -hmm. and that goes with family members we all have our flaws but we work to our strength because we know each other did that album you know for me it, it looked like a massive monumental moment for the band it looked like it really projected you guys to another level did it do you think that is kind of the album that really helped you push in the industry or do you think it was more Earthwalker Skydancer time that really kind of pushed you guys? I reckon they were all steps. I don't think there was any, uh, to be fair, I don't think there's any, I mean, a first album is a first album. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, that being said, that that's like our introduction to the room. Hey, this is who we are. So in some ways that was quite big, but Earthwalker was what felt like a huge step up from the, the world worldwide reception that we received back for sure. And people then were discovering divination as part of that. And then to follow that up with sky dancer, which was more of what everyone loved about Earthwalker, and getting at that point, getting triple J kind of industry people involved by saying, hang on a second, this band's getting like number two on the Aria charts. They've got a fan base to selling out roundhouse and like this, that, it's not what are we missing, but we need to pay attention. What is it about this band um, getting an R nomination? So that felt like, again, the next tier of like, oh, okay, like the the industry kind of world cared about it, I guess, which did feel like that next step. Um, so it's felt, nothing that's felt like overnight successes. It's very much felt like steps or lily pads to where we are now. I think, you know, one thing you glossed over, which some listeners may or may not be aware of, was the, also the big risk you guys took in the Earthwalker Skydancer time because you did the whole go to the States for a limited amount of time and record two albums on the spot and then do the don't tell anyone we did two albums, release one and then send a cryptic, cryptic message within Earthwalker and then release a second album. I mean, that's... You know, that's ballsy in itself to push yourself to write, I think, 24 songs, I think it was, or something, and make sure that they were 24 good songs, not just, you know, six good songs and then the rest were filler. Um, Quite a risk to take at that early stage of your career. Yeah, yeah, it was a huge risk and it was very difficult and challenging for the band, but it was a decision that we, I really pushed for it. We all loved the idea of it as a band, but to save ourselves 
there was a lot of, you know, if we don't get that second album, that's okay. You know, like we didn't want to put an expectation, but at the same time, it's like, why not? Mm. Like, let's go for it. You know, how, how far can, where is the edge of this cage? Like we hadn't found that edge yet. And it's like, I do, you can't just release a great album nowadays either. There's so many great albums out there, but you can't, it, it takes more than a great album. It's about storytelling. It's about, and by storytelling, it's not telling stories. It's telling stories that are true to you or have messages, have meaning. And it's the way in which you tell that story, like with any great movie as well. And part of our story was not about keeping a record in secret, but really having these two halves of the same whole and doing something that hadn't been done before. And there's a reason why it hadn't been done before because it's damn hard, uh, really difficult because we were putting all our eggs in one basket. If that first record, if no one liked the sound of it or got critical flack, would have been like, well, there's more of the stuff you don't like. Mm. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> and you don't, you don't have a test audience that you can see, pull into a theater and say like, everyone, here's your, you know, put down your, your anonymous feedback so we can see if you like it or not. It's, it's really, yeah, it's, it's quite a, a scary thing as an artist, but I believe it pays to, pays to to make bold moves so long as they feel right in your gut and you've got to sit with those and really like know that it's driving what it is that you're wanting to to move through the world well, i love that you guys you you know bold moves isn't something you guys aren't afraid of um and there's been there was plenty more coming up before uh the most recent stuff and that was one was the 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 equinox with northland that's another ballsy move uh that you throw in there um you know that was quite interesting at the time because you mentioned I oh, we're kind of working with Northlane and then oh yep yeah, here it is here it is and it's not what you expect kind of thing. Um, do you guys oh, the way what I'm asking is like do you guys love the fact that you are pushing the envelope? You're keeping yourselves entertained and, and in a way you keep your fans guessing too. Something like Equinox could never have imagined that coming out. Yeah, and even that was difficult to pull off. It's all, yeah, this, we, you know, I think UNFD always kind of say, like, you know, they, I don't want to, well, it's in Heart's Wake, but it's mainly me because I'm the one that's, I'm kind of the point of contact. So we, we do that. We're always talking. But they say, like, Jake, you never make it, you don't make things easy. <laughs> it's always like, and I don't make it difficult for difficult sake, but I'm always trying to find, yeah, the limit, the edge. And, I just feel like at that point of breaking, at that point of cracking, that's where the best stuff is born. Um, and we really have to rise to the occasion to find that even when all hope is lost and it's like, you need, you know, three more songs and you've, you're running out of time. And it's like, you really have to call upon something greater to almost divine those, uh, the lyrics that come through or what we need to write about. It's it can be challenging because it's not guaranteed every time with Equinox. Both bands were at a just at a point in their careers. You know, Marcus had joined Northlane, um, and they were like fantastic singer. They were ready to like reintroduce themselves, uh, like you know, with this incredible new singer, new album. We had just come off the yeah the back of those two you know double double albums, and we'd we'd toured together. You know, right when Discoveries and Divination were out multiple times it just formed we formed a friendship and a bond that was just it was really powerful and it was just awesome to then say like you know one day like maybe we can make a song together or feature or but this was like let's do a little project together 
And the challenging part of that was having 10 different minds and getting 10 different voices, you know, whether it be the drummer, the two different drum styles and finding a way then to translate that onto stage and have everyone be uh, um, represented, you know, on stage and having the two drum kits meant we had to take it to bigger venues and, oh, there's, there's all kinds of things that you don't think about these, these mountains or these hurdles along the way. You just think there's the mountain I want to climb it. Let's go. <laughs> I love it. Uh, it. And, um, it was also the time when you guys, you know, were kind of introduced to Putney and you worked with him on ARC. Um, and then why, you know, what was it like for you guys? Cause you'd worked with just Josh for so long, you know, before this, you've come back to Josh again, on most recent release but for you was it a, a learning curve also learning learning with two different producers because everyone's a bit different with the way they produce so do you feel like it helped you creatively push yourselves a bit more yeah it was it was, it was great working with will um the equinox was the was the experiment working with will north lane had said great things about will and uh josh the three albums we done before we're just done in obviously two studio sessions, not three, because one of them was a double. Josh was running everything out of essentially the main bedroom of his house. He turned that into a, a studio using the closet as the vocal booth. And whilst we produced some incredible stuff there, we had grown out of that space. We felt that it wasn't about how big it was or how it looked, but we were ready to just try something new, push ourselves again and try something different. And Will... Will fell into our laps through Northline saying like, you know, Will's going to be here during this time. We can do Equinox then. He was there to do an Amity record, I believe, straight after. So it just, it just aligned, it lined up. And we thought we want to create like a, a solid metalcore rock record, kind of a, like, let's, let's create something with Will. And Will had a different style. He worked with someone else in the other room. So we were able to do like simultaneous stuff with two mm. producers, which was interesting and new for us to work with when work on. Uh, and it, we learned, we just learned a, lot, a hell of a lot in that, in that space. If there's anything I could do to go back, it would just be to add an extra, have an extra week up our sleeves. Have any, and part of that was because we took the Slipknot tour. We opened for Slipknot Lamb of God. Like you can't say no to a Slipknot tour, right? And uh, that actually reduced one of our weeks that we had with Will, but it was an experience that like I just, we, we, we couldn't trade. No, I don't think I think anyone you know listening wouldn't turn down Slipknot. Um, no, um, was this around the time that you guys started incorporating in a live setting? You started incorporating the uh, the inflatable boat. Was this around the time arc when you started incorporating that? Yeah, well, it was it was on Skydancer Cycle mm -hmm. uh, during Warp Van's Warp Tour that people were bringing like dolphins and whales and all kinds of things from. I don't know if it was Walmart, whatever had like a summer sale on at the time, this a whole new wave of what looked like, you know, photographic versions of animals. They were quite like vivid looking out into the mosh pit and you see these animals going across and it got thrown onto stage and I ended up on top of this doll, dolphin or whale. And I went really far away from the stage and <laughs> the next, yeah, the next, I mean, we've got Ark, you know, it's, it's essentially the ship is a planet. We're moving through an ocean that, we don't know the end of, we never, we'll, perhaps we'll never know. And we're asking who's steering it. So the next necessary step was, all right, we need to get Jake in a boat. So <laughs> there I was in our own arc. And, you know, we quickly pointed out like, these things are plastic. You guys are like doing marine debris cleanups and yet you're riding like plastic inflatables. So we were like, oh, it's a really good point. Like really good point. So 
rather than throwing them out or just doing away with them, we thought what we have, we're going to honor, I'm going to use, and we're going to patch these things up every night. So, so we'd have holes in all of these things. And Kyle, the next day would be, we had a patching kit. He'd be like blowing up with a pump, like running his ear, like, oh, here's the hole. Like, you know, he fixed the <laughs> hole. This thing had like, it went on patchy. Our boat went on, uh, I think seven or eight world tours. Like we went different, you know, Shit. So I can't remember the, the figures. It was nuts, but he had holes all summer. So it got to the point where it would only stay, you know, enough air for 30 minutes. So he'd have our tour manager like pumping it up right before he'd give it to me on stage. And I'd be going out and seeing it slowly deflating. <laughs> <laughs> But it lasts the cycle of arc, and then we retired, Patchy. Oh, oh, rest in peace, Patchy. Um, and then, of course, that brings us to now. Can you print? I keep getting the pronunciation of the album wrong, but how do you say the name perfectly? Kali Yuga. Kali Yuga. Yeah, Kali Yuga. Okay. Now, this was, you know, this is an interesting album for in many senses because I think, correct me if I'm wrong. This was also the first time for you as a band where you weren't all in the same area at the same time writing. You were in America and the band was in Australia. So did that bring any challenges apart from the obvious? Um, uh, yeah, just not, not, not getting together and having a conversation about what we wanted to do, what, what we wanted to create. Uh, and that created amazing, amazing opportunities for more trust. Uh, to work independently, more accountability as well, to be like, oh, well, Jake's working on that. I, you know, I better work on this. Or I get sent a song from the guys, like, well, I better pick my game up and and bring something to the table. And it also showed each of us that we didn't have to rely on all of us to be working on the same piece. We could distill our voices in separate pieces and then just trust when we got to the studio that we would add that, that glue that came across all of it and it would become the band and that it did. So that was a really, really awesome learning curve. It was also, it's also interesting because I feel that you guys again, push the envelope because of what the sound is, you know, there is in hearts wake on there, but if a diehard fan hasn't heard anything since Earthwalker and then is shown this, they would be quite surprised at the transition in the sound because it shows that you guys are willing to experiment um, roll the dice, see if it works. I feel like it works and it seems like it's had quite a mixed reaction, but I think that's a good thing because that means people are at least listening to it and at least they're talking about it. Um, was it a conscious effort to stylistically push yourselves or did it just naturally evolve that way? Naturally evolved to write the music we wanted to write for sure. Mm. But we pushed ourselves as we had a column going down the right-hand side of the whiteboard that had, you know, up the top bold question mark. And so didn't mean it was like, oh, we have to change the style because it's not bold enough. It was what is the bold element? Is it an instrument we add? Is it a lyrical theme? Is it an electronic element? Like what is that decision that, that, that we get excited about as a band? What is that thing? And I mean, there's so many songs that didn't make the record that like, you know, song ideas and things that didn't make the record. The ones that did make the record were part of the Kali Yuga journey that had this diverse journey that is if you were moving across the landscape, it wasn't like we wanted to have a all intensity up, bam, bam, bam. It's really heavy record because then suddenly track five is not so heavy because you've already heard it all. Mm. So uh, yeah, it's, it's a journey from start to finish. And we wanted to explore the, the softer realm as well as what's the heaviest song we can try and write. 
And I feel like we achieved that with Worldwide Suicide and then Crossroads and Husk were like this really different territory where we could express ourselves in a more raw and vulnerable place without the notion that we might be judged. It's also interesting because, I mean, you guys had finished the album late last year, like from my memory is that it was all done and dusted late last year. Um, And then to say shit hit the fan this year is an understatement. And it's weird because things you were doing post lockdown COVID, which was lyrical um, and then the gas masks and things like that have now when the album's released, it's, it looks like from everyone else, if they didn't realize that you guys were doing it right now. Um, That's a bit, that's got to feel a bit deja vu-y kind of coincidence, kind of very strange turn around from what you did last year to what's happened this year. Yeah. Yes. You, you could say, yeah, prophetic in a way. Mm. Um, you know, yeah, we, we were finishing this record up just as the bushfires were breaking out. And in, in saying this shit hit the fan, like someone is you know, still in 2019, even 2018, there was still someone picking up the shit and aiming at the fan. And it was being like, you could see it where it was going. We just didn't have that moment of impact yet that we really experienced as a, as, as the world, uh, by these, I, I mean, well, this, the shit in Australia was the, was the bushfires, which mm. the whole world was aware of. These felt like massive, a massive event, not just like it affected us. It was the smoke went all the way around the world and came back, you know, uh, that into COVID was when, yeah, I mean, that was the shit spraying everywhere. The shit hitting the fan was, was the bushfires. It's enough of that analogy, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, I really felt we picked up on what was happening at the time and perhaps where we were headed and saying, we don't want it to head this way. So we're going to show you a, a bleak, a bleak, a bleak vision of, of what it could look like if, if this is where humanity is heading, you know, like sometimes like you've seen Scrooge, uh, you know, the tale of Scrooge where he's the ghost of future, you know, future, yeah, it kind of shows him like, this is no one's going to be at your, you know, by your grave. Like no one cares that you died basically. Like, is this something, is this the person that you want to be the person that you are becoming? And that can be a powerful thing. You know, dreams have powerful, even that have an impact on us when we wake up from them, they're vivid. So worldwide suicide really, whilst it speaks to the present, it speaks to the future as well. And I hope that that is a deterrent that we can really look like where, what people do we want to become and and where are we now? Um, And I was doing a number of things. I was out in the wilderness in America this time last year, I was on a vision quest where you basically enter the forest just with water, no food, no electronics or paper and pen, nothing. And uh, you're out there for four days and you, you can't, you're in a 10 foot circle and you have a lot of time for four days to sit there and watch the sun go overhead and the moon and, you know, the bugs land on you and birds and squirrels and you got a lot of time to not just think, but like to feel like, how are you feeling? What does, how does the outside world compared to this world, like how, are they connected and how different, where, where do those, where do the bridges lie and, and how can I be a part of bridging these two worlds? And I feel like a lot of the record, at least force of life, that's, you know, that's about that experience. A lot of it came, came through that. And when it came to the record, it was like the gut just said, we have to do this, like this decision, this, this needs to be on the record. I don't know why other than it just feels right. And fighting for it, not because uh, it'll equal this, this and this, but fighting for it because it feels right. And this is what the world, 
we I believe needs to needs to hear was um in a way how the propheticness just at the time it just felt where we were headed did you ever you know it's august when you release this album you know last month or yeah literally recently just last month you know that some bands have been really questioning about releasing an album in the current state of not only the world but when bands can't tour um you normally that's what you do you get out as you know it's what you've done a million times you tour before the release as the release comes out and afterwards you know was there ever a thought in your head maybe we should shell this or was it look we've got this we need to get this out because the time's right well yeah I, i had no doubt that it had to come out without a doubt that being said people did ask me you know just to be devil's advocate um yeah like are you sure you want to do this you know but but, i mean look at the look at the record cover i mean the name the theme you know the kali yuga is the dark age the age and we would experience oppression cruelty disease destruction fear uh we'd have to you know force to face ourselves as humanity as we know it i mean if there's ever a time when kali yuga feels like it's at its peak in our lifetime it certainly feels like we're we're in it so i had no doubt that this was this record was meant to come out like yeah, this year, and it's, it needs to be out there. It needs to be shared, and to sit on any longer would not be doing it justice. Um, the old was serving the art at the end of the day. So, whilst there's no shows to to play, which is which would be the second half of how we could um, send ripples out to the world to share that with our fans, to wait for that with the record coming out would still be detrimental to to the timing of releasing it now. And so I can only hope that uh, it does send waves out right now in a time when not many records have been coming out and it has a spotlight because it's in a time where I feel that those that want to look into the lyrics of the world needs what this record speaks about, I guess. And uh, I can't wait to play it live, yeah. Well, also, you guys clearly are also still thinking on your feet because you did the streaming performance that you did as well. Um, that's really important, and you're seeing some more bands do it. You know, Northlane. Um, you know, it's not. It was more of a live performance, pre-recorded that they did. But yeah, it's becoming more of a thought process. Um, that must have felt good for you guys, also though, just to get up there and dust off the cobwebs and just mosh out for a bit um, for the fans to watch. It felt great. It was a nightmare to organise <laughs> because it had to happen in a bubble. Mm between between two postcodes so I could have one guy cross the border for another guy to come up to have a film crew come in. It was, oh, it was, we had to, we had to do it really on our feet, organize it all within a week because restrictions were changing so quickly and we needed to abide by those restrictions. Super happy we pulled it off and gave our fans something to, you know, to, to, to experience during release week. And we gave it again, that like, honoring, honoring the spirit of this, this you know the dark age that the hindu ancients spoke of um honoring that by giving it a performance and a release of of the energy that we could get out there felt really damn good super super stoked we were able to pull that off i don't know if live streams are the future i'm not sure what the future is of bands because we've been so reliant all of us on on touring being the sustainability to to share art and to um create you know resources to keep doing what we do so we're going to see things change. And again, like, you know, if, 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 art, if, if, if we really care about this stuff, 
and it needs to come forth, it'll find a way through the pavement. Like it'll, mm. whether, whether it's through, um, you know, subscription based, like giving content, be able to share and do workshops with, with fans, whether it is through the live streams, whether it's focused more on merchandise, whether it's more about just creating music, if you can find a way to do it in a sustainable, affordable way without compromising quality, we have to just find new ways and innovate. And perhaps we as musicians and as concert goers have just been super, I don't want to say lazy, mm. but you know, we didn't realize how good we had it. Mm. You know, We were kind of a bit complacent by the whole thing and now it's really shaking everything up. And I think that's a good thing. I don't think normal for everyone, whilst there's some beautiful things about it, I really think that normal, we were seeing the way it was headed, just wasn't serving, um, wasn't serving the future generations. No, and I think how you're thinking is how I also think. I think the one of the things is we'll see more creative things, not only uh, with what a band can do, but the way they can push themselves musically. Because I think a lot of bands are going to obviously have more time on their hands. Hopefully, it pushes the envelope a bit more. Um, hopefully now when a band does something creative, it's not necessarily a talking point. It will be an acceptable point. Um, now I only kind of have like one question left and it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a puzzle question. Um, you know, you're a band that I feel no matter what happens, you know, let's say music is finished from tomorrow. No one can do any more music. I think you're a band that has a legacy that leaves behind, not just because of the music, but because of everything else. So my question is that if if music is done and you can't do anything else, you can't create, you can't tour, what do you want your legacy if someone asks you what you did in In Heart's Wake was? That's a packed question too. Just a really Well, you know, that that we did our best. That yeah, we did our best, man, like uh, in terms of it wasn't just about the music. Mm. Um, it was it was about sharing a message and creating a space for people to to step up, to feel something, to be inspired, to connect, and to make art of any kind with a message. I hope that it, it's it's showing that it, that it can be done. There are ways to innovate this space in which people are willing to support something, even if it costs them more, so long as it costs the planet less, because that's actually how they win in the end. And so when I say we did our best, I would like to think that, you know, if our organic t-shirts are, I don't know, sometimes they cost us double to create. Um, it's, it's our way. It's our way of being a part of finding solutions and that we did all that we could to seek those solutions and innovate the space. I really do think that what I would do if music's not a thing and I can't create sounds not tacky, but I mean, I would like to, I want to work on, wilderness primitive skills and like I'm not going to go run alone off the forest myself but hopefully generate um learning through that and community and us just getting back to the land through bush food learning from you know the amazing indigenous knowledge that's you know it, it was so the wisdom there is so deep and it, we haven't really tapped into that we've been so disconnected from it so getting back to those ways finding ways how we can have more time to laugh and sing and jump around and in fact work less to live a life so that we can thrive and not just survive i feel like that's where um i would like to be and i hope that it's where in hearts wake fans also want to be and we'll see what the future holds love it i love it um 
Now, Jake, everyone, uh, your guest, 133. And the way we're going to finish things, because we've just got a couple of minutes left, is I do like a quick fire round. So we've had a very in-depth, mind my French, fucking epic conversation. So I just want to end on a little bit of a light-headed, uh, light note. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's quick fire. So I give you two options. You pick your favourite of the two. And it kind of lets people know, you know, what makes you tick in certain ways. Their food. So, so it's A or, a or B, basically. Basically, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Summer food. It's food, movies, music, and music going. Okay. So now, of course, um, everything food for you is either vegetarian or vegan. I'm not sure which one you're in at the moment. Are you vegan? Right, right now I'm on the plant-based totally. Yeah. But... I mean, in saying that, it's I don't associate myself with I'm this or that. Yeah. It's just the so it, who knows what will happen in ten years or what what proteins will have to rely. On. I don't know. I, quite, I don't know. It's quite scary. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Pizza or burger? Pizza. Okay. Uh, risotto or pasta? Pasta. Okay. Chinese takeaway or Indian takeaway? Indian. Okay. Soft taco or crunchy taco? Soft. Uh, coffee or tea? Coffee. Smooth peanut butter or crunchy peanut butter? Crunchy. Okay. Uh, cook at home or dine out at a restaurant? Cook at home. Cook at home. Um, spend the day at the beach or spend the day at the snow? Beach. Okay. Cat or dog? Cat dog. Cat dog. Um, <laughs> uh, Terminator or Predator? Predator. Okay. Uh, James Bond or Jason Bourne? Bond. Okay. Rambo or Rocky? Rambo because it's the jungle. It's just a cooler world. It is. Um, Freddy or Jason? Ooh. Not into either. Um <laughs> It's not a bad thing. I can't. I, I personally, as listeners will know, I can't watch scary movies. I'm sorry. It might some people might say I'm a, a weakling, but I can't can't watch them. I find them, yeah, I find them both tacky. I'm okay with the scary movies, but I don't know. Yeah, I, haven't, I don't vibe with either. Okay, we'll say that's a that's a nil. Um, a nil. Anchorman or Step Brothers? Oh. Oh man, Step Brothers <laughs> for its innocence. Um, okay, last movie one before we get into a couple of music ones is South Park or Simpsons. Oh man, that's and that's a hard one too. Uh, I'll say, I mean, oh, it's like family or like put cutting edge. <laughs> I mean, Simpsons is Simpsons is classic, mm. but South I love the buttons that South Park pushed though. I'm gonna say South Park, okay, nice. Um, all right, Slayer or Pantera, Pantera. Ooh, Pantera. Okay. Terra or Madball? Terra. Yeah, buddy. Um, Metallica or Megadeth? Metallica. Okay. Limp Biscuit or Corn? Limp Biscuit. Slipknot or Machine Head? Slipknot. Okay. NWA or Wu Tang Clan? NWA. Okay. Tupac or Biggie? I gotta go biggie. Okay. Uh, now this one is gonna be a little bit of curveball. For the fallen dreams or legend? Gonna go with 
I'm going to legend because it just feels more like it's, yeah. I know Chad very well. And I just feel like, oh, yeah, I go legend just because it's, it feels like it's more Chad is mm, legend. Mm. Form the Dreams feels more like it's a band, but yeah. Shout out to Chad too. Um, legend had him on the show. Um, okay, last couple. You're playing a show. Do you want stage dives going on around you or mic grabs going on around you? Stage dives for sure. Okay. Grabbing the mic, grabbing the mic can it just can be a brutal thing. You can get all kinds of chipped teeth. It's kind of <laughs> like yeah. Yeah, no. Nah, it's it's no. Nah. I never would grab the mic from people. It felt like I was being rude, like I was stealing something from them. But to like come up and like you know, give it to me, be like, yes, and then dude holds it out for you. I love it. Um, you're going to go to a show. Are you going to watch it from the middle of the pit or by the sound desk? Me right now, I'd watch from the sound desk. Me at 15 would be in the middle of the pit. Okay. Um, now, two left. This one, you need one to go with the other, but let's imagine that you could only do one. So are you going to record for the rest of your life or tour for the rest of your life? quite a weird one isn't it uh, uh it is weird i'll go with it i mean it doesn't have to be constant because no. it's not doing it every single day but i'd rather tour because i get to see people see places and share with people like share with fans as opposed to the other one which feels very insular even though i love recording it just i can only handle a month to two months max and i'm done so touring okay now last one is the only triple one um i'm going to give you your all-time favorite album and the way I give it to you is the only way you can listen to it. Do you want it on CD? Do you want it on vinyl? Or do you want it on your phone? Well, if I have it on my phone, I, I'm going to be able to listen to it in more places. Yeah. Perfect answer. Um, dude, let me check the time. Yeah, look, good. I've, I was, because uh, I can't see the clock. So, um, oh, that's all right. You got time. We're good. No, it's um, perfect. Uh, hit all my marks. That flowed, dude. Like, um, I've done 130 odd of these, and the flow was very natural. Um, I could transition into asking things without worrying. I didn't need to lead you. Um, great guest. Um, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, the fans Legend. are going to enjoy it. Um, and I've got to say, I really respect you, appreciate you, and have to thank you for giving up your time to, to chat because you're a busy dude, um, but I'm so stoked we got it done. My pleasure, man. I didn't have to, it wasn't like giving up my time at all. It's, 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 it's an honor to have people even open up a space and then they're going to go edit the thing and distribute. Like, it's, 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 please, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's fine. <laughs> um, appreciate it. Stoked on it, man. Um, but um, you're a legend. Thank you. Um, much love. Thank you, man. All right. See you, man. Bye. Uh, later. Dogs and foster dogs are waiting for the mess
So that was my chat with Jake of In Hearts Wake. At the end there, you heard the band's track Hellbringer, which is from their most recent album, Kalugia. Second track you heard was Skydancer, which is the title track of the album of the same name. And the last track you heard was The Unknown, which is from their debut album, Divination. So now's the part of the show where I spark that thing inside you to support the band that's been on the show. So if you enjoyed the conversation at the end there, or you enjoyed the music, now's your chance. Get online, stream the music, download the music. If you're into physicals, grab a CD, grab a vinyl. And lastly, if you like merch, get online, get yourself a hoodie, a shirt, or some moss shorts. All of these things are important and help bands in the current climate. I've got to take this moment again to thank Jake. Thank you so very, very much, dude, for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. I'll stay in touch. Look forward to doing another chat soon. And that's it. That's the Mosh Zone episode 133. Done, dusted, all wrapped up, locked away for this week. Guys, if you're a first-time listener, thank you for tuning in. I hope you come back over future weeks on future episodes. If you're a regular listener, thank you as always for tuning in and hope you come back in future weeks. This time of the show is when I remind you that we need your help to get out to more listeners. So if you've got a few moments this week and you enjoyed this episode, share it on your social medias. Also, tell everyone you know about the Mosh Zone. Help us out. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. Also, at this time of the show, I need to remind you that if you want to find Mosh News and Mosh Reviews, we have it all on our website and social medias. Our website is www.themoshzone.com. Our social medias are all at The Mosh Zone, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, don't forget... You can also get in touch through our email address, which is themoshzone at gmail.com. Get in touch, guys. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. There's not much else to talk about. That is all of my rambling done. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great week. Stay safe. Open the pitch.